Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, the book of Luke, uh, chapter 9. We're going to begin with verse number 28 uh, this morning. Brother, I thank you for that song, and I know that uh, when we all get to heaven, I know us Baptists, it's probably going to take us the first thousand years just to learn how to dance and clap in rhythm. So uh, we have that to look for, but I'm sure eventually uh, we'll, uh, we'll get it down, or maybe that's a part of the new glorified body. We'll, we'll just know how to do that. But we look, forward, uh, we look forward to that time. And speaking of things that uh, we look forward to, the Scripture today takes us to one of my favorite places, and, uh, and that is the mountains. I love going to the mountains. Now, y'all can all go sweat down at the beach all y'all want to, but I want to be up in the mountains. It's just always a great time for me. And uh, I've been uh, the privilege to go to various places across the United States and uh, be up in uh, several different, different uh, mountain ranges and I always loved traveling up in those mountains. And it was always a sad time coming home and coming back towards Mississippi and those mountains would just sort of fade uh, in the distance. But mountains, I just really love, uh, really love mountains. But it also brings us to, uh, to a point of not just to remember things that I like, like mountains, but it also uh, times, uh, remembering times of going to camps and places like that where you just get away and spend time with the Lord that uh, He would, uh, would, would renew me and to uh, strengthen me. And I think about some of those times that we speak metaphorically as mountaintop experiences to which we go somewhere off and that we have time away and we spend with the Lord and He shows Himself afresh and anew to us. And today we're taken to that point in that time. And the beginning lines of, uh, of uh, this statement was, and eight days after these sayings, in other words, he is drawing this as a part of this time away that the disciples have had with Jesus. After he sent them off by themselves to try some uh, discipling upon their own, after the feeding of the 5,000, he takes them away to start teaching and start showing them some things. And it's been a great time in the Lord, and it comes to, in a sense, a culmination with this time, with this sort of mountaintop experience. And I pray that this morning, that just as Jesus took Peter, James, and John away, to show them and allow them to see Him in His full honor and glory. Just a glimpse of it. I pray this morning that the Lord will give you a glimpse of that glory, that He will take you up to that mountaintop so you can see Him for who He truly is, and that we come down from it changed in who we are and committed to follow the instruction that was given by God himself. This is my son. Do as he says. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord, in this time that we have to come and to worship you, Lord. I just pray, Lord, during this time, Lord, as we, uh, as we read and we go through these scriptures, Lord, that you will just uh, speak to us and that you will show us your word, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's read together these, these, uh, these verses in the book of Luke, chapter 9, beginning with verse number 28. It says, Now about eight days after these sayings, he took, he took with him Peter, James, and John, and went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, he, the appearance of his face was, was altered. 
and he was clothed, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him. Moses spoke of his departure, which was he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who were with him. And as the men were, were, uh, were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. He was, um, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and he kept silent, and, he told, and they told no one of these days any of what they had seen. I could just imagine the look on Peter, James, and John's uh, face when Jesus looked and said to them, look, I'm about to go up into the mountain. I want you to come with me. Because up to this point, these mountain experiences have been a part of Jesus' devotion life, a personal expression of his relationship with God. It was him and God time. And he spent many of these times where he would walk away from his disciples or he would disappear for a moment. We think about a time where he uh, sent his disciples on ahead in a boat to go across the lake. And he went uh, while they were going across the lake, he went upon the mountain to pray. And we think about the times to which they would be looking for Jesus and they wouldn't be able to find him. And after searching for him, they would find him alone and praying. And so these times were important to Jesus. They knew that Jesus were, was having these times. They knew he would disappear to spend time with the Lord and they knew what was actually taking place or what was the business of, uh, that was taking a hand, and they saw the effects or the results of this time that Jesus had spent with God where he would come back with clarity of vision and clarity of purpose, but they didn't know exactly what took place during those times. But boy, this time in particular, Jesus chooses three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and said, I want you to come with me because I'm going to one of these times on the mountain, and I'm going to go to one of these times of prayer to God, and I want you to go with me. What an exciting time. As Jesus was about to take them into an intimate place to take part of an intimate time. And so this was, in a sense, of a selection. And it was further solidifying that these three apostles, Peter, James, and John, were selected as kind of Jesus' inner circle. That even as he selected the twelve among the disciples, all the people who proclaimed to be followers of Jesus Christ, he chose from them twelve to be his apostles, to be his official witnesses. And then he chose even from amongst those twelve, Peter, James, and John, to be the inner circle. And so it wasn't just for 
a spectacular experience. It just wasn't for a field trip that he was doing this. But he had special purposes for these three apostles. And he wanted to experience Jesus. He wanted them to experience God. And they wanted to experience Jesus for who he truly was to prepare them for what they were going to do. You see, these three would have outsized influences in the development of the church. Peter was recognized a lot of times as the leader. He was the one who preached uh, the sermon at Pentecost. He was recognized a lot as the church was developed in, uh, in Jerusalem and later in Rome as the leader of that group. And the brothers James and John provide for us an interesting distinctive because James of that group, he would be the first of the twelve to be martyred. And yet John would be the last to go. He would be the last surviving apostle. But he had special plans for these particular three. And in order to prepare them for that work, he wanted to take them up on the mountain to see something special. And a lot of special things happen as you go up into the mountain because the mountain provides for us a getaway. It provides for us escape away from what everybody else is doing. It allows us to rise above whatever else is going on in our life and just spend some time away. It is good for us right, to have these mountaintop experiences, whether it's on a mountain or whether it's in a closet in a room away from everybody else, whether it's a time to which we find alone with God. It's important for to have this time to where we just get away and have just time with us and God because it allows us to get away. And as we get upon that mountain, it allows us to have a change of perspective. And boy, that's one of the things I like about going up on a mountain because you can go up uh, on a mountain. And I went up a one just outside of uh, Cimarron, New Mexico, and it was Mount Baldy. We went up there and we climbed above the tree line and just kept going. And we were just on top of this mountain. And you could just, you could just look across and you could see across four states. And as you look, it was just such a change in perspective because all of those valleys that just look so dark, now that you rise above them, you could see how much sunshine there really is. And all those places that just look so far apart from each other just seem so close. And as you sit upon that mountain, it's just a, such a change of a perspective where you get to see things from a different angle. And problems don't seem as dark. Places don't look that far away. And it's just a refreshing thing to go up on the mountain. And so Jesus... Peter, James, and John, they go up on top of this mountain. And several things happened while they were there upon that mountain. First, there was a transformation. As they begin that, as Jesus begins his time of prayer and he's involved in communion with the Father, all of a sudden something happens. All of a sudden, his countenance changes. All of a sudden, his physical appearance uh, changes, and he becomes white. He becomes, a sense, a source of light. And now you see him no longer in the, his walking attire, but you see him dressed in white. You see him in his glory. 
And what we're seeing here and what the disciples were able to see here is they were actually able to see Jesus in the glory that he had before he came down here upon this earth. So they got to see not the Jesus that just walked here upon this earth, but rather the Jesus that existed from the beginning of the world and into all eternity. They saw a transformation. And he wanted to give for them a transformation in their mind to who he really was. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a man who walked here upon this earth, but he truly was from heaven above, the eternal Son of God. And so as he prays, his appearance is transformed. And after you have this transforming, you then have a conversation because now there are two people are now here sitting and talking with Jesus. You have Moses and you have Elijah. And they are appearing in glory. In other words, they're not there in their appearance that they had here upon this earth, but they were now in their current appearance as they would be in heaven. And you can just imagine that they were just sitting here and standing right before Jesus, and they were just having a conversation. How amazing would that be? And Jesus and Moses and Elijah, and they're sitting and they're talking. And what are they talking about? They're talking about what's coming up next. They're talking about what Jesus' purpose for coming here really was. And that was what was about to happen there in Jerusalem. And so now we get to see Jesus not just as a person, but as one who has come from heaven. And now the disciples in this conversation that they are hearing with Jesus and Moses and Elijah are now beginning to understand what Jesus is here to do. You think about Moses and Elijah. They, uh, they like mountains too. They were just like me. Moses, uh, Elijah, and, um, and, uh, and, and Jesus, they all, like me, love mountains. And you think about the experiences that Moses and Elijah had with mountains. You think about Moses there at Mount Sinai as he would actually go and ascend this mountain and actually get to see the glory of God and to actually speak to him, not in riddles or in visions or in dreams, but actually would speak to God face to face, just like you talk to your friends. And as he spoke with him, he would give them the vision and give him the plans for the building of the temple. And he would give them the instructions of, of, uh, of what there would be and what, what, uh, what the temple should be and what the statute should be and what the law should be and how should they should handle particular situations. And so all of this happened as he was there on top of a mountain. And so Moses loved the mountains because where he actually got to speak with God. Elijah loved the mountains too because Elijah came to that same mountain, Mount Sinai, but he came under different circumstances. 
He came when he was running from Jezebel. He came when he was running from Ahab. He just killed all the prophets, and he thought he'd settled the score with all of them, but instead it just made Ahab, and it just made Jezebel uh, even more mad. And so now he's on the run, and he's depressed. He's uncertain. He's alone. He doesn't know what to do. And the angel of the Lord speaks to him, say, hey, why are you running? What's wrong? And he starts crying. I'm the only prophet left. Don't nobody love me. And he says, here, take this food. And I want you to go, and I want you to meet me. Meet me on the mountain. And so Elijah goes to the same mountain, Mount Sinai, or Herob, another name for it. And there the Lord comforted him and strengthened him and allowed him to see a different perspective. That Elijah, you're not alone. Elijah, you're not the only one who's doing this thing. But there are others around you I've kept for myself. I have a plan. I have a purpose. I have this worked out. You don't have to worry about the details. Just to have instructed to you, I'm handling it. And so he found comfort there on the mountain. But what we see here in these having this conversation, you see a representation. You see a confirmation of who Jesus was. And you see Moses, the writer of the law, the one who God spoke to to give the Jews their law. And then you had Elijah, one of the great prophets who was so great that the Lord just took him up to heaven in a chariot of fire. And they are conversing with Jesus and they're talking about the same thing, what's to come. And so what it was a confirmation of is that what Moses was talking about and what Elijah was prophesying about is what Jesus was about to do. And so it's a confirmation that all the Scripture that we have there in the Old Testament is a culmination, is a prediction, is a foreshadowing of what Jesus was about to do in Jerusalem. It was a confirmation and I imagine you can just imagine what the conversation was about and what they talked about. But we don't know what they said in that conversation. You know why we don't know? Because Peter, James, and John, they were sleeping. So you go to sleep in church, you miss a lot of stuff, all right? So don't go to sleep in church. So they finally wake up, and they're just kind of at the end of all this, and they look, and it's just imagine they were able to recognize who that was. And that's pretty amazing because I won't, probably won't recognize half of you if I ever see you somewhere in town, like, even if I just saw you. But they were able to recognize him, and they're sitting there, and all of a sudden, they're thinking about the awesomeness of this moment, that they're actually seeing Jesus transfigured in his glory, and you're seeing Moses, and you're seeing Elijah, and you're seeing them in glory, and everything's just amazing. And then, all of a sudden, here comes here comes this cloud. Here comes this cloud. And if you've ever been on the mountains, you know that this is a pretty common experience because you're so high up. It's nothing for a cloud to just sort of come and just cover you. Everywhere else could just be sunshine. Everywhere else it just could be just bright and sunny. But you just have this cloud covering you. 
and it just covers you on the top of that mountain to where nobody can see you. And even in the midst of that cloud, there would be lightning and thunder, and it would draw them back to when Moses was on the Mount Sinai, where as the glory of God appeared, there was lightning and there was thunder, and it was fantastic, and it was fearful. And I'm sure that's the thought that came in their mind because here comes this cloud, and I'm sure it's rumbling, and I'm sure that it's thundering because the, uh, Peter, James, and John, they're just scared of about what was about to happen and all that they were seeing. And if they think they're scared now, just wait because this cloud started talking to them. And they hear the voice of God out of the cloud that said, This is my Son, whom I have chosen. It was the confirmation. It was the commendation that Jesus was the very Son of God and that He was the chosen one, that he was indeed the Messiah, and that the Lord, he said, I am pleased with him. In other words, he's doing it just the way that he is supposed to be doing it. He is confirming by the voice of God that this actually, this Jesus is the Son of God, that this actually is the one who was sent to save all humanity and to build the kingdom. And then in that confirmation, he gives the commandment. And the one commandment is this. Listen to him. Listen to him. Disciples didn't do a very good job at listening to Jesus, did he? Jesus told them about what he was going to do. He told them three times about his death. He told them about the resurrection. He even told them where to meet him after the resurrection. But the apostles were just like you and me. And that a lot of times, even when Jesus speaks to us, when we go right out that door, we just forget it, don't we? And in the time when we really need it, we really don't remember it. Because the nature of our circumstances blinds us to what Jesus has told us. But he said, this is my son. Listen to him. What a powerful experience. As they actually got to see Jesus for who he was, that they got to experience the seeing of his glory, that they got to experience the cloud, that they got to experience the voice of God and this was to change them. This was to transform them. This was to get them to understand what he is really here to do. He didn't just do it for a show, but he wanted to do it so they would understand who they are, and it would change their life. Boy, how great it would be. How great it would be to go up on the mountain with Jesus. Wouldn't you like to be there on that mountain? Wouldn't you like to go up on that mountain with Jesus to see him in his glory? God calls for all of us to experience Jesus for who he was. He's calling us to go up on that mountain. But a lot of us don't go. 
and a lot of us don't go often. And the reason why we don't go up to experience Jesus this way, the reason why we don't want to go up on this mountain is because it's exhausting. It's exhausting. Just think about the apostles. They were like on a vacation. They were on a retreat. They were probably having supper. They probably had something going on. And Jesus said, hey, look, y'all three, come with me. They had to give up something. They had to give up something else in their time that they had planned to do to actually go spend time on the mountain with Jesus. And a lot of time, that's why we don't experience Jesus because it's exhausting to us. We don't want to take of that time to actually go up and spend that time with Jesus. I want to go to the mountain with Jesus, but I want to sleep in a little extra late. I, I want to go with the mountain with Jesus, but I've got something else I want to do. I want to go fishing. I want to go hunting. I want to go, I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I want to be with our friends. I want to do all these things. Uh, Jesus, I'd like to go spend some time with you, but I got other things going on. So we don't want to make time. But it says that when they came up on the top of that mountain, as Jesus prayed and as he was showing themselves, it said that they were in a deep sleep. I bet you you'd be in a deep sleep if you just climbed a mountain, wouldn't you? I get pretty much exhausted if I climb a flight of stairs. I can just imagine the mountain. But this wasn't an exhaustion because they were tired, because they had to walk up a mountain. This was emotional exhaustion. This was spiritual exhaustion. This was an exhaustion that comes when there's so much that's poured on your heart and your mind that it just wears you out. They experienced it again in the Garden of Gethsemane. When these three same ones were called, to go sit with Jesus and to pray just for a little bit. But they were so burdened and they were so exhausted. They were so troubled by what was going on, they couldn't keep their eyes on it. Being on the mountain with Jesus is exhausting. Working for the Lord can be exhausting. Not just physically, but just the care and the worry that it takes to keep our eyes focused on the Lord just the care and the work that it takes to do something with the Lord where everybody else is just going off having a good time. It requires something else, and it taxes our body. It taxes our time. It taxes our mind, and it taxes our soul. And a lot of times, it's just the effort that most of us don't want to put into. We all want to go to the mountain with Jesus, but it's exhausting. But it's also confounding. It's also confounding. I'm probably sure by this time that they thought they knew who Jesus was, that they had it all figured out, that they kind of had Jesus in this box, and then all of a sudden they wake up from their deep sleep, and they just look over there, and it's like, man, there's Jesus, and now all of a sudden, buddy, he's done been transformed, and then there's one dead guy, and then you look over here, and there's another dead guy, and they're just sitting there talking to each other about the resurrection. They're sitting there talking about the crucifixion, 
And it was just confounding. It was just mesmerizing. It was just to a point where they couldn't explain it. They didn't know what was going on. And they really didn't even know what to say or how to explain it. And Peter, you just see him sort of struggle and say, well, you know what, uh, Jesus, uh, it's good that, that, that we're here, so why don't we build some, some tents? And the scripture clearly says, man, he had no idea what he was saying. He just had to say something. closer we get in our relationship with God, the more we study his scripture and the more we experience in him our life, the more confounding and mesmerizing he will be for us. We think we just about got it figured out. We're this close to having all the answers. We're this close to having it all figured out where we can just tell everybody. And then something happens. Jesus does something. And it just blows the whole thing up. And we're just mesmerized, bowed before the face of Jesus, saying, how awesome is he? It was so confounding. When they came down off that mountain, they didn't really know how to tell people what it was they saw. And so they didn't see any, they didn't say anything. So not only... Is it exhausting? Not only was it confounding, but it's also confrontational. Because once you go with the mountain with Jesus, you can't be the same. They showed them this great vision of who Jesus was and what he was going to do. And then the Lord lays it out. Here is my son and whom I'm well pleased, who I've sent. Listen Listen to him. Now, listen to him doesn't mean that you just sit there and hear what he has to say. Listen means that you actually do it, right? Isn't that what, uh, that, isn't that what you tell your children? Listen's not that you heard it. Listen is that you do it. And so it puts us in a position where we see God as the Messiah, where we see Jesus as the Messiah, where we see him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the ruler of all things, it puts a decision. Or are we going to follow him? Or are we going to be rebellious and disobedient? But not only is it confrontational, but it's also conflicting. What did Peter say? Jesus, it's good for us to be here. Let's build tents, one for everybody, and let's just hang out with us. A lot of times we want to have that mountaintop experience. We want to have that great revelation from God, that great revelation from Jesus, and we get in that moment, and we don't want to come down. I know I wouldn't. You want to be up there with Jesus? Or you want to be down here with the rest of us morons? I want to be up there with Jesus. But we have to understand is that Jesus gives us those visions. Jesus gives those revelations. Jesus gives us those mountaintop experiences for the purpose that we bring them down and show them that we bring them down, and that we're changed. 
but too many times that we just want to have the moment and stay up on the mountain, enjoy the experiences, enjoy the great worship services, but never come down from that mountain, never go out the doors of the church, never step out of our friendly church friends. That's not what he has for us to do. Notice, as they came down the mountain, the scripture says that they didn't tell anybody what they saw or what they heard or where they've been or went on. And we said that one of the reasons they didn't is because they really didn't know how to explain it at the time. But another reason why they didn't tell anybody, because they knew that the impact of that revelation was not in what they saw, but rather how it changed their life. A lot of times, you know, we'll go off to, uh, to camp, you'll go off to retreat, you'll go off to revival, and you'll come back, buddy said, this happened during the service, I felt this during the service, the Lord taught me that thing in the service, and we're talking about this and that, about all God did for us and showed for us while we were up there on the mountain, and none of that matters, it doesn't matter what you see, it doesn't matter what you heard, but it only matters that when you come down off that mountain, that somehow being on that mountain has changed your life has made you different. From this point on, their relationship with Jesus Christ was never going to be the same. He could no longer just be a teacher. He could no longer be just a prophet. But rather, he was the Messiah. And he was Lord. What a week. What a week they got to spend with Jesus. What a time they got to spend as he would share his life and share what his true purpose was for life, for his ministry, as well as there. But it was time for them to come down off the mountain. It was time for them to come down and be his disciples here upon this earth. So I ask you this morning, have you been to the mountain with Jesus Have you truly had that personal experience with him where he's revealed to you who he truly is and what he's all about? Are you not want to put forth the effort? And if you've been on that mountain, if Jesus has truly showed you who he was, have you allowed it to change your life? I pray the Lord always takes us to the top of the mountain, that he continues to show us and reveal to us every day more and more about himself to us personally. But I pray even more that each and every day I become more and more like him. I take the vision that I saw there on the mountain and I live it out in my daily life that I recognize that he truly is the Son of God and that I listen to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you show yourself to us. Lord, not only do you reveal to yourself to in your word, Lord, in the preaching and the Sunday school lessons and all these things that we hear, but through your Holy Spirit, you show yourself personally to us in each and every one of our hearts. And Lord, I pray this morning that you will show yourself to us again.
that you will show us how mighty and strong that you are. And Lord, I pray that we desire to know you more. And Lord, that we desire to not only know you more, but Lord, we desire to be more like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand inside.